Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. On Sunday nights in the month of January, we are focusing on the subject of prayer. And of course, the concept of prayer is one that virtually everyone, whether they're Christians or not, equates Christianity. And they know that Christians are to be praying people and Sometimes even if somebody doesn't have any interest in Jesus or Christianity or any of those things at all, they still equate it with Christianity. And if they were to just come into a worship assembly, they would know that prayers would be said, such as the one we've led in just a few minutes ago. But prayer is also one of those subjects that is unfathomably deep. At its most basic level, of course, prayer is simply talking to God, communication with God. But we all know there is a a depth to understanding prayer that we will never fully understand. And there's an appreciation for prayer that we cannot fully grasp. If nothing else, the simple fact that we are allowed complete access to our Creator is it should absolutely boggle our mind and it should leave us in awe every time we approach Him in prayer. But a lot of people are intimidated by prayer. They know verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. But sometimes even knowing that, prayer can seem like a daunting task. And and questions begin to be asked or or doubts begin to be thought. Does God really care about what's going on in my life? Or I I just don't know if there's some kind of formula I'm supposed to follow. Or I, I don't know the exact words to say. Those are very real concerns for a lot of people, and they may be for you as well, or at least at certain times they may be concerns in your life. But then I remember the words of the passage we just read a few moments ago, and just having that one passage from Hebrews 4 in our mind should be enough to cause us to pray and to pray with confidence. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 4 and verse 14 that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, and he names him Jesus, the Son of God. The high priest in the Old Testament served as sort of a go-between from man to God. And our high priest, Jesus, has never sinned. He has already been in the presence of God and still is to this day. And so our high priest, the one who goes between us and God, is better. In fact, he's infinitely better than those Old Testament priests. And just knowing that one fact... Facts should transform our lives. Verse 15 then reminds us that Jesus knows what it's like to be human. We're weak at times. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows what it's like to face temptation. He knows the feeling of loneliness and hunger and frustration and exhaustion. He knows. And that's the one who is the go-between between us and God. And so verse 16 of Hebrews 4 very clearly says, Let us... Then, 
based upon the fact that Jesus is our high priest and based upon the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to be human, let us then with confidence or boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We must come before God's throne reverently. There's no doubt about that. He is God. But we can still come with confidence or boldness. The word there originally came from an idea that meant bluntness. It could also mean come without ambiguity. If you want to paraphrase it, basically what the Hebrews writer is saying is we don't need to tiptoe around any issue when we come before the throne of God. We can simply bring what needs to be said and lay it at His throne. It is a wonderful and a grand privilege. But still yet, some may struggle with prayer. And so tonight, for the next few minutes, we want to preach a sermon, of course, but do something a little bit different. Hopefully something you'll find encouraging as a congregation of God's people, but also something we can each take home into our own private prayer lives and our family prayer lives. You may have seen the little acronym, and I hope you have one of the, the sheets that's laying around. There's several uh, in, in empty seats tonight. The little ACTS acronym. We're calling tonight's lesson the ACTS or the ACTS of prayer. Because tonight we're simply going to remind ourselves of four basic types of prayers that are all biblical and all needed. At times, we can turn prayer into nothing more than a request list. And certainly it's biblical to ask for things in prayer. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But prayer, since it is simply speaking to God the Father, can be far more. And so tonight... I'm going to preach each of these four things, but at the close of each of the four points, if you will, one of our leaders is going to lead us in a prayer of that type to help us focus our minds on those avenues and aspects of prayer. The A stands for adoration. We see it all through Scripture. But I don't know about you, but I'm afraid that sometimes in my own life, I fail to pray in this way far too often. Adoration, of course, is just a, another simple way of saying praise. We adore God and we express that. We praise Him for who He is. And we praise Him for what He has done in the world as well as in our own lives. You see that in Jesus' model prayer. Even though the words are very few in number, they still provide a wonderful template for us. As Jesus began that model prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That little phrase, hallowed be your name, may not contain many words, but it's appropriate to praise God and state that his name is hallowed. His name is to be revered, if you will. The Old Testament is filled with these types of prayers. If you don't believe me, just read through the Psalms. There's countless words of praise found in those poems, and some of them are nothing more than adoration and praise. But I want to share one Old Testament example and then one New Testament example in a moment. Because of the places or the circumstances In which they are found. The Old Testament example is found in Nehemiah chapter 1. If you turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, you might remember that Nehemiah is not in his home in Jerusalem. Instead, he's away in exile. And it's being reported to him that Jerusalem is still lying in ruins. At least the wall is still lying in ruins. And it's so sad to him to hear that report from his homeland that he mourns for many days. But Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4 ends by saying that Nehemiah continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. But then the text goes on to give us at least part of the prayer that he prayed. And how does that prayer begin? Nehemiah 1 5. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and who keep his commandments. 
Now think about the timing or the setting of that. Nehemiah is in mourning. He's received terrible news and he's trying to to process that news. He's in distress, if you will. And yet this prayer begins with words of praise and adoration for who God is and for the power that God has. It's a wonderful way to begin a prayer. Now, that's not to say that when we're in mourning or distress, that we have to begin a prayer this way. This is not some formula we're talking about tonight. But it is to say that no matter our circumstances, there are still reasons always to adore and to praise God. The New Testament example is found right in the middle of the book of Ephesians. Paul has just finished writing about how he, even though he calls himself the very least of all the saints, Ephesians 3 and verse 8, how he was yet allowed to, by the Lord to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And with that in mind, then he writes that he wants others to have that same knowledge and to grow in their understanding of the love of God through Christ. And then seemingly, almost as if he can't stop it, Paul just bursts forth with praise in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, Forever and ever. Amen. Paul simply bursts forth with praise when he considers what God has allowed him to do. Here's a question I must ask myself. How long has it been since I simply took the time to burst forth with praise in my prayers? After all, God is so good. We sang that this morning and we believe it all the time. And He has done so much for all of us. He's done so much for each of us individually, for us collectively. But how long has it been since we adored Him in prayer? And so to help us to center our minds not on doing that, one of our shepherds, Brother Gary Mize, is going to take the next few moments and lead us in a prayer, a prayer of adoration. Let's bow our hearts to God. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, hallowed and holy is your name. Father, you have no equal. You are our wonderful God. You are greatly revered all over the world. Dear Father, we're, we know that you are respected, and that's why we are here today. Father, we're Thankful that you have blessed us so. You are our creator. You've made us so wonderfully. Father, you have sustained us all of our lives. You've been there for every beat of our heart from our mother's womb. We're just so thankful, Father, that we have such a God as you. You are our fortress in whom we can trust. Father, you are all wise, all knowing, all powerful. You are everywhere all at the same time. Father, our minds are full when we think of you. Father, you listen to our prayers. Father, you are warm, and we long, Father, to know you better and better every day. We know, Father, how loving you are, and how in times of trouble we can nuzzle under your wing, and you love us. 
Father, we, we know that you answer with fire sometimes. You are awesome. What a wonderful God. You are the one and only true and living God. And we just praise and uplift your high and holy name. You're full of light. You're a giver of good gifts to your children. Father, we do adore you. Father, you are able to deliver. Your promises are sure. We're just so thankful, Father, that we have contacted the blood of Christ through baptism, which gives us hope of a great day in the future. Father, bless us this evening as we continue in this prayer. Go with us always. In Jesus' name. A is for adoration. C is for confession. The word confession is one of those terms that sometimes we throw around a lot, but we may miss the meaning of it. We may not really understand what we're saying when we use the word confession. The word confession at its most basic level, simply means to speak the same thing as. That's basically what the word means. And so, for example, when we say that one is confessing Christ, what we mean is that person is willing to state the same thing about Christ as God or as the Scriptures state about Christ. So when we talk about confession of sin, for example, what we're really saying is not just, I'm sorry. What we're really saying is, I'm willing to say the same thing about right and wrong, and specifically in this case, about wrong, about sin, as God would say. And we so often do that through prayer. In other words, we're really admitting that we don't know the way, but God does, and we want to follow His way. Something we have done is against the will of God, or something we have not done was something we should have been doing in the will of God. And we don't just confess, we don't just pray these kinds of prayers just because I think it's wrong. Or we don't just pray these prayers certainly just because we got caught. We pray these prayers because something is wrong because God himself says it is wrong. If you think back in your mind to Nehemiah chapter 1, we mentioned the prayer that Nehemiah begins there with words of praise. But it's interesting to me that Nehemiah continues that same prayer with words of confession for his people. Nehemiah 1.6, he prays, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that now I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. And then he expands that in verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant, Moses. Nehemiah in that prayer was not afraid to state that there was sin, but notice the emphasis in those couple of verses on the fact that it was a sin because it violated the will, or in his case, the law of God. In his day, that was the law of Moses. In our day and time, that is, of course, the New Testament, or if you please, the law of Christ. It can be very difficult sometimes to pray a prayer of confession because it means I must admit I've been wrong, that I thought I knew the way, but I didn't. But prayers of confession are freeing because we're finally releasing our will to the will of God. And it can be difficult to pray a a prayer of confession, especially in a public setting, 
But in our private lives, we must be willing to state the same things about righteousness and unrighteousness that God says. We must be willing to state that what we have done, what I have done, is wrong because God says it wrong. it's wrong. And then seek forgiveness for it. In the next few moments, one of our elders, Brother Jonathan Winters, is going to lead us in a prayer of confession. And this is not going to be some type of airing our collective dirty laundry, but simply a way for us as a people of God to focus our minds on saying the same things about righteousness and unrighteousness, about right and wrong, as God would have us do. Brother Winters, you will come lead us in prayer, a prayer of confession to God. Will you join me in prayer? Be merciful to us, O God. Because of your constant love, because of your great mercy, wipe away our sins, wash away all our evil, make us clean from our sin. We recognize our faults and our sins. We have sinned against you and done what you believe to be evil. So you are right in judging us, justified in condemning us. We know we've been weak from the day we were born. Sincerity and truth is what you require. Fill our mind with your wisdom. Remove our sins and we will be clean. Wash us and we will be whiter than snow. Close our eyes to, close your eyes to our sins. Wipe out all of our evil. Create a pure heart in us, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit in us. Do not banish us from your presence. Don't take away your Holy Spirit. Give us again the joy that came from your salvation. Make us willing to obey you. Then we will teach other sinners your commands, and they will turn back to you. Spare our lives, save us, and we will gladly proclaim righteousness in your name. Help us to speak, Lord, and we will praise you. Help us to remember your son's sacrifice on the cross. For it's through him we come tonight and ask for your forgiveness. We ask you to guide, guard, and direct us in each and everything we do. Amen. A is for adoration, C, confession, the T is for thanksgiving. You have likely heard in countless sermons, Bible classes, devotionals, conversations about the one thought, about how often we ask God for things in prayer, but then how often we fail to thank Him when He gives us those things, and sometimes when He doesn't give us those things. Prayer, since it is a conversation with God, communicating with God the Father, is a way for us to offer our gratitude for what He has given us and then to thank Him also for what He has denied us. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And it seems to me that that word thanksgiving is basically meant to, to wrap or to envelop that entire list, the sorts of prayers that we pray with supplication, the requests. I find it of interest that just after the command that we mentioned at the beginning of our lesson, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the very next words penned by the Apostle Paul were, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Could it not be that Paul wanted us to connect unceasing or unending prayer with unending gratitude in each and every circumstance? Now, Paul did not tell us in that verse to be thankful for every circumstance. But he did tell us that in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we have something for which we can be grateful. It may take some serious looking. It may take some serious looking within ourselves or looking without. But we have unlimited blessings and favors from God that we can thank him for. And again, I need to ask, 
When is the last time I prayed a prayer that was nothing more than thanksgiving? Not, not just asking for things, but thanking God for what He has given and what He has denied. Because both are worthy of our gratitude. And so for the next few moments, our youth minister, Brother Tyler Holman, is going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for just some of the things with which He has blessed us. Let's all pray together. God, at this time we come before your throne. We come thanking you for so many things that you have done for us uh, during this day and, and during previous days. We begin by saying thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Uh, thank you for his willingness to come to take on human form and to uh, die such a cruel death so that one day we could live with you in heaven for eternity. God, at this time, we, we also are thankful for our local congregation here at Ninth Avenue. We're thankful for the elders uh, that serve here, the elders that lead us in, in paths of righteousness, the elders that watch over us and, and care for us. We're thankful for uh, the deacons that, that uh, do so much good here and, and do so much good work. And we're, we're thankful for each and every member, thankful for all this, this collection of, of of people that you have allowed us to uh, to share so much with and, and go through so many moments with. And we're so thankful uh, for the blessings that you have given us here at Ninth Avenue. God, at this time, we're also thankful for uh, for our families. We're, we're thankful for uh, those that you have blessed us with, that, to share uh, so many moments with, to share the good times and to share the bad times with, God. And we pray that you will uh, continue uh, to allow us those moments together as a people. God, most of all, we're, we're thankful for hope that you have given us. Uh, we're thankful for the hope that you've given us that, that no matter what we face on this earth, that no matter what we go through on this earth, that as your people, as your children, that there is a day that we look forward to, uh, a day when we can stand before you and know the punishments that we deserve, but God, know the grace that you have shared with us the grace that you have shown us, and that through that grace and through that love, through that sacrifice of your Son, that, that we're, we're so thankful that, that we have that hope that we can stand before you and hear you tell us uh, to enter in and, and to allow us to enter heaven. God, we're thankful to know that uh, there is a place being prepared for us in heaven, uh, even at this moment, and that one day... We will have uh, an eternal dwelling place with you in your presence. God, we're, we're thankful for what you have shown us in the past. We're thankful for your holy word uh, that shows us the way, that shows us what, what we need to do, how we need to live to inherit that home with you in heaven. God, we have so much to be thankful for uh, that uh, words could never express all that we have to be thankful for. And so we pray that that you can look upon our hearts and that you can see than our in our human ways that we try so hard to be thankful and show you how thankful we truly are. And we, we don't have the words to describe it, but we pray that you look upon our hearts and that our hearts show uh, the thankfulness that we have for you, for your word, and for your son. All of these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So when do we get to actually ask for things? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and the S is supplication. Supplication, to use that as the S in the acronym, does stretch the definition just slightly. 
And you may have in your mind the verse we just referenced a few moments ago, Philippians 4, 6 again, where you have supplications and requests both being mentioned in the verse, and they're not the same original word either. But biblically speaking, supplication, the word, carries the idea of a deeply held or deeply seated request. Basically, it carries the idea, as you see on the screens, of begging for something to happen or to be given. To, to state it very mildly, it is a very strong concept. But for our thoughts tonight, we're going to use that term supplication in the way it's used in the acronym. That is a common usage, basically where we make requests. But, but I'm going to not be afraid to use it that way because I would hope that if we would request something from God's throne, it would be from a deep place within us. It would be a deep-seated request, something we really feel passionate about and would greatly desire. I want you to notice something that's found in the model prayer of Matthew chapter 6. Even though it's a brief prayer, there are requests or supplications in it. But I want you to notice that in that model prayer, one of the things that Jesus models for us is the simple fact that we need, we can make requests or supplications concerning both spiritual and physical matters. Spiritually speaking, Jesus makes more requests of, along that line in the prayer. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 12, forgive us our debts or trespasses as we have also forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation. And then the follow-up request, deliver us from evil. There are, those are all requests that are of a spiritual nature. While our focus is on the Word of God for our guidance, it is right that we pray to God with spiritual supplications for God's help, God's guidance, God's wisdom, God's help as we face temptation, and on and on it goes. But physically speaking, Jesus also makes a request or a supplication in that model prayer. In the very short verse, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, at first glance... And that may not seem like a very deep request because it's so simple, but that's the point. Jesus was trying to model for us the simple fact that we can take any and every request before the throne of God, even down to the very simplest of things, such as the food we need for a day. If we can request even those simple things, don't you know that we can come before God's throne with supplications, requests, for very deep matters, those who are sick, even for ourselves when we are ill, for those who are in times of loss, times of heartbreak, and on and on the requests go. And so before we offer the Lord's invitation tonight, another one of our shepherds, Brother Danny Tedford, is going to lead us as God's people in a prayer of request, a prayer of supplication, that we will take these before the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you quite often for many different things and make many requests to you. We come to you praying for, for those that are sick. We come praying to you for your church. We pray to you for our homes and our families. Father, we come to you when we're facing problems and we need help. Father, may we always be humble when we approach your throne. And may we always be thoughtful in our requests when we make those requests to you. Your word tells us not to be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving make our requests known to you. Father, may we use your word to trust you, to know that you're always there, ready to hear us, wanting us to talk to you. And may we always look into our hearts, and may we always show love and respect to you when we pray to you, for you are a great God. 
For you know what we need before we ever ask you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have been encouraged tonight. I hope you find the lesson tonight, even though it's simple in its teaching, and I understand that. I hope it's been encouraging to you. And I hope that you'll use these four things, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication and request in your prayers throughout this week and throughout your life, in the life, your own private life, the life of your family. And I hope you have picked up one of the, the sheets we, we prepared for you, and you can grab more than one. We made plenty if you'd like more than one to use at different times. But the idea behind this is simply to pray at some point each of these four days one of these types of prayers. On Monday, take the time at some point during your day to pray a prayer that's nothing more than just adoring, praising God. On Tuesday, take time to pray one prayer in your private life that's nothing more than just confessing sin, confessing those things, saying the same things about righteousness and unrighteousness that God would say. On Thursday, take a prayer, just one prayer at some point during the day to do nothing but thanking God for what He has done in your life. And then on Friday, take a prayer and make those deep-seated requests, those things that, that weigh on your heart, weigh on your mind, but pray them in a confident and a deep way because they are the desires of your heart and you're speaking to your Father in heaven. But as we close, I want to remind each of us that it is only the Christian who has this great honor and privilege of coming before God as we have done tonight and as we have discussed tonight. We know that because the passage with which we began several minutes ago, the one we use for our scripture reading, which teaches us that Jesus is our high priest, our go-between, and it's because of Him that we can come boldly, confidently, without ambiguity, before the throne of God. If you have never been baptized into the death of Jesus, contacting His blood there, then if I may just say it this way, Christ is not serving yet as your high priest. But I want to give you hope. Because if you will put Christ on in baptism, the very moment you come up out of those waters, He will be your high priest. And He will take all of those things, all the prayers you pray, before the throne of God. If you've never put Him on in baptism, tonight is the night. Most of us in this room have. And if you have, I just want to ask tonight, this is a difficult lesson to transition to the invitation, but I just want to ask, is prayer the foundation of your day? I know for many of you it is. But I know for some of us, even as Christians, sometimes we struggle with the concept of prayer or just to pray. Remember, remember, the one to whom we are praying and the one through whom we are praying and that the Spirit helps when we don't know what to pray for. If you're a Christian, that should be the foundation of each day of your life. And maybe tonight it's not. And maybe you want us to spend one more prayer tonight. And that prayer is for you to encourage you. Maybe to ask for forgiveness, but maybe just to seek encouragement in a time of discouragement. We come together as God's people to pray. And we will have nothing more than to pray with you and for you, if such is your desire. Tonight, if you need to come, will you do so while we stand and sing to encourage you?